0: Good morning. Well, some of y'all are awake. I paid him money for that. Heard something the other day about normal coming back. Normal's not coming back, but Jesus is. Amen? Uh, today we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 4, starting with verse 1. And... That's not the scripture. That's who I am. Ah, Now, I wouldn't have titled this uh, sermon what it was. Because uh, I'm not very good at it. And so I kind of let other people do that for me. But this morning it came to me when I was doing some last minute studying and praying that what I should, what I should have titled this sermon was Jesus is Enough. So read with me uh, in your electronic devices or in your Paper Bible, starting four and one. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. And again in this passage he said, They shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day, today. Saying through David so long afterward in the words already quoted, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints, of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him, to him who we must give account. Man, that's a lot. Uh, Just as a preface, the first time I came before y'all and preached, I essentially just told my story and introduced myself to you so you'd know who I was. And then the second time, and this is all a couple of months ago, I think. Those of you that know me, no time means nothing. Uh, I preached on Psalms 95, and I focused on the praise aspect of it. And not so much on the last part where they say, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And then as I was studying this, this scripture in Hebrews, it dawned on me that this is a continuation of an exposition on Psalms 95, which I started a couple of months ago. Who says God doesn't have a plan for everything? Another thing about that scripture that that really struck home, and and to me is, for those of y'all that remember way back when I told my story, uh, there was a time even before that in the late 90s, where Kim had gone on a spiritual retreat for women, and... I was pretty deep into my addiction at that time and pretty, pretty codependent would be the word I would use today and did not want her to go because she wouldn't be where I could control her. And so I talked, you know, God still had a hold of me. I just wasn't listening at that point. And what I did was, you know, I talked to a lot of guys and they said, yeah, just let her go, man. She's grown up. And I went to where I usually go when I need to think and talk to God. I went to the country. And I took my Bible, and it was in October, I believe. And I was praying. I said, God, just, I, I just don't know what, what to do. I need some guidance. I need, you know, I feel so lost. I felt helpless. I felt lost. I just, I didn't know. I was, I was jacked up. Let me put it that way. And while I was sitting there, my, the wind blew my Bible open. And it blew open in the book of Exodus where they talked about, uh, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion. And right after that, like a thousand monarch butterflies just fly through right where I was. And so I thought, well, maybe I'm not supposed to harden my heart. And that was the beginning of where God started bringing me back to where I am today. And it took him a while because, like the Hebrew people, I was stubborn and hard-headed. But I was always on that path. Uh, One of the things I think I missed out on the previous episodes of this study is, is who the book of Hebrews is written to. And so I had to study on that. And it was written about in the year 67 to 69 A.D. And it's a contrast between what David wrote in his Psalms in 95... And what Moses and the Hebrew people went through in the wilderness when they were going to the promised land. Uh, the covenant between Moses and his people and contrast to the new covenant with us and Jesus. So we're going to compare that today. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Not everybody with Moses made it to the promised land. In fact, they were so hard-headed and stubborn, he made them God made them hang around until the older generation died off. Y'all remember that? And the new generation was the ones to enter. And as we recall our stories, uh, they sent spies into Canaan, into the promised land, the land of milk and honey, the place God said, this is your place. I've made this land for you. And the spies came back, most of them, all but one, said, man, there's giants in there. It's a dangerous place. We could, we could get seriously killed if we go there. All but one, Joshua said, man, this is the place we need to go. We need to go now and take what is ours. Take what God has given us. And that was their promised land. That was their rest after wandering for 40 years in the wilderness. But they were not united by faith. And so they did not enter into the land of rest. So it seems to me there's like four types of people that this is addressed to today. There is the world who knows or cares nothing about Jesus that we worship. Think it's foolishness. That's the world. That's, that's how the world thinks. What we do in here, what we think and say and praise and sing is foolishness to the world. And then those that are saved and redeemed and and covered by the blood of Jesus. And we know it. And our lives show it. And we're being transformed from the inside out day by day. You know, we're not perfect, but but we know who our Redeemer is. We We not only know who we are, we know whose we are. That's the second group of people that this is addressed to. That's us. The third group... I've got notes on this, but I can't see them, so I'm going by memory. The third group is the is the people who are saved. They've accepted Jesus as their Savior, but they've not been discipled. They're not sure, and some of them have uh, been drawn back into the world. And I know from personal experience that that, that can happen. And because God is is in your heart, he's in your spirit, and you've received that gift from him, he really messes up sin for you. What used to be fun is not as fun as it used to be. What used to be exciting is not as exciting as it used to be, and you're wondering why am I so miserable, why am I so angry, why am I so discontent, why am I all these things, why am I not happy? And the reason is that, that we're not Feeding the spirit that is wanting to grow us from the inside out into that relationship with God, into that relationship with Jesus that he desires for us so that we exhibit his likeness in everything we say, see, think, and do. And Then, sadly, there's the fourth group. Uh, some of them have been raised up in the church. Some of them just heard about it. Some of them think it's cool. But some of them are, we would call them legalists in, in the olden days. But these are the people that that know all the words to all the songs, and they're, they show up for every service and every Sunday school and every Wednesday night and every prayer meeting, and they check the box and they give their money and they give to missions and they and and they're following all the rules. They don't smoke, drink, cuss, and chew, and run around with the girls that do, so to speak. But they they don't really have the relationship with Jesus. They haven't. They haven't realized that Jesus is enough. Sometimes we forget, Jesus is enough. Uh, verse 3: For we who have believed enter that rest, as he said, and as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. Uh, that's a reference back into Genesis where God made the world in six days. On the seventh day, he rested. When he set the foundations of the world, he knew each person was going to be here today that's here. He knew what we had for breakfast or did not have for breakfast. He knew what was breaking down on the way to church and what wasn't breaking down. God knows everything. And he sent Jesus and he is enough that we can rest in him and rest in the knowledge and rest in the promise that Jesus is enough. I just don't know how to say that any more clearly. God was enough in the desert. This was in Exodus that that they're talking about in Psalms 95 and in in this passage right here where the people for the second time cried out to God and cried out to Moses and were just so angry and fed up because they didn't have any water to drink. Oh, you took us out of our slavery. And now this is worse than slavery, following God, following you into this desert. And, and they nagged Moses so much that he disobeyed God, and this is the reason he didn't go into the promised land. Because God said, go and hold your staff up and speak to the rock, and water will come out. First time he did that for him, he hit the rock, because God told him to hit the rock. You can look this up. This time, then the people are yelling, and, and you know how people do. They will nag you, nag you, nag you, nag you, nag you. If you have a three, four, five, six-year-old, they will nag you, nag you, nag you, nag you, nag you, mama, 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 canna, 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 canna. They were nagging Moses to the point where God said, go put your staff over the rock and speak to the rock and water will come forth. And Moses, in his anger, struck the rock twice. The water came out. But he didn't, he wasn't obedient to God and showing that God is enough, that Jesus is enough. The word of God is enough. A thought occurred to me this morning while I was finalizing my study, while this was all coming together in my brain, was that if we looked at our Bible, if we looked at our daily devotions, if we looked at our scriptures each day, with the knowledge that we had to share what we read and what we understood from it with somebody else, how would that change the way I read my Bible? I really hope that we start doing that. I I get so much more out of studying to do this or studying for the Sunday school class than than I ever say. Because I'm reading this and 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 it's talking about entering God's rest, and it's like Jesus is enough. I mean, it's just, it's just so clear now. Jesus is enough when my job's not enough. Jesus is enough when my kids are, are going crazy. Jesus is enough if, if gas prices go to $5 a gallon. Jesus is enough no matter what. This whole thing, the rest, is the rest in the knowledge that Jesus is enough. In our faith and belief in him, to that extreme, to that extent will bring us that rest that no matter what happens, no matter what calamities, no matter what illnesses, no matter what viruses that come by, no matter what. Jesus is enough because many things we can't do anything about. Verse 6, Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news fail to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day. Today, saying through David, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. When you read his word, that's that's his voice. When you spend time in prayer, that's his voice. I don't hear God saying to me, you know, at 6 o'clock this morning, watching the sun come up with my coffee, and he said, Bill, say, Jesus is enough. That's your sermon. I was looking at the sunrise thinking, wow, Jesus is enough. And that's kind of how God speaks to me. And God speaks to me through these scriptures. And I don't have to hear an audible word. But if somebody tells me they heard an audible word, I'll say, oh, that's cool. I'm good with that. Show me where it says that in here. Because God doesn't say anything that's not backed up in here. And it's also proven by this scripture we're reading. Verse, you know, chapter 4 goes back to Psalms 95. Psalms 95 is going back to, to Exodus and also Deuteronomy, some places in there. So if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there, would, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest is also rested from his works as God did from his. So God worked how many days? Six. All right. Three people listened. Uh, God worked six days and then what did he do? Rest. That's a pretty important example set from the very beginning of time. First six days God set everything in motion, set everything in place and now he rests. So, if Jesus is enough then I can rest. I don't have to worry about the meeting I have tomorrow morning. Jesus is enough to get me through that. If my gas tank is is empty and I need to go to the gas pump and I don't know how much the price of gas is going to be and should I go out to Sam's Club or should I go to Walmart on the north side I don't have to worry about that because Jesus is enough. Ah, but Bill, you don't understand. I've only got so much money. So? When we come to the realization that Jesus is enough that part doesn't really matter. I just we're sitting there in praise time and, and we're worshiping. You guys ought to see y'all worship, man. You guys can worship. When I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about this scripture and entering his rest and all the things I worry about and then I think that Jesus is enough. He is. Three weeks ago, two weeks ago, the last time I was up here, At the end of the service, I talked about how God has favored us, Kim and I, because we try to to be obedient. And I encouraged everybody to count your blessings. Look for the good things that God is doing in your life. And Friday morning, this is an example of what God's doing. Jesus is enough. Friday morning, she gets ready to go to, to work out, 6.30 or some awful hour, I know. And she comes back inside after a long time, and her truck wouldn't start new truck. And she's upset, believe it or not. I know the rest of you ladies wouldn't be upset like she was if your truck didn't, or your car didn't start at 6.30 in the morning. So my first impulse is, you know, blood pressure goes up, you know, for the love. And then because I'm practicing, I'm trying to be a little better. Whatever is, is. God's got a plan for everything. So I went out there, and I pushed the button. It didn't start. I pushed the button again. It didn't start. I'm thinking, for the love. I pushed the button. It started. And then the lights all go crazy. And then it settled down, and the check engine lights on. I said, OK, we need to call the dealership. So they're not open for another 30 minutes. When I finally get a hold of them, they say, OK, we can bring it in. But we're way behind. We can put the computer on it. And I said, well, what about a loaner vehicle? And they said, we don't have any loaners for two weeks. I said, okay, we'll figure something out. So I drove over there, and they checked the codes and everything, and they're checking some other stuff. And while I'm sitting in their waiting room waiting, they came in and said, we have a loaner that just showed up if you want to leave your truck. Count your blessings, y'all. Favor. Jesus is enough. I didn't have to go rent a car. I didn't have to do any of that and he's showing me that so many times in so many ways and he's showing it to this church that Jesus is enough and I can see and I can tell that he's enough when I look at you guys when you praise and when you pray verse 11 let us therefore strive to enter the rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience for the word of God is living and active what's living and active? what did it say? word of God God. what is this? Word of God. And so I'm not going to ask anybody to show their hands because some days I don't do it. But we don't read our Bibles every day. We don't get into the Word of God every day. We don't read a devotion every day. We don't pray every day. We don't give God credit every day. We don't ask God for, for something every day. We don't sit in his presence every day. We don't do like it says in Psalms, Psalms 4611, which says, be still. And know that I am God. We had the opportunity to do that last week. And in that time, there was some healing going on in this body. And we've heard from some of y'all about that. Some of us didn't get it. Some of us didn't get it, didn't like it. And, and, and I pray to God that you will and, and get it soon. Because when you get that, then you will realize that Jesus is enough. So the word of God is living and active. What does that mean? It's words on a page. But If it's words on a page, how can it speak so intimately into my life? How can it be so real to what I'm going through at any given time? Psalmist says, thy words are a a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. That means trust the Word of God for where you're going. There are some people, and I used to think they were weird, that pray for a good place to park close to the store, you know. Guess what? I answer that prayer because I never park up close. I always get way back where I can park by the, where I can put the buggy up and just unload easy. Each of us have a part in God's plan, and we don't know what that part is sometimes. Like, I didn't know when I told my story the first time that the first time I preached was going to be Psalms 95. And I didn't know two weeks ago when we talk, talked about prayer that I was going to be here today. And I didn't know when I came here today, wow, this Hebrews 4 is all about what I started two months ago. God knew. Talk about a freak show, I'm thinking, wow, I had no idea. But he knows, he discerns the thoughts and the intentions of the hearts. He's not looking at what I'm thinking. He's not looking at what I'm looking at. He's not looking at what the world says because the world is a liar. But he's looking into my heart and I think, I think I'm blessed because no matter how much I mess up, and that's my middle name, mess up, is I'm trying to do better. Every day I try to be a half percent better man than I was yesterday. I dare not strive for much more. I like to set the bar low for me. That way I feel good. Some of y'all do the same thing. My prayer is, and has been, make me a man worthy of the woman I'm married to. If you want to meet... The man or woman of your dreams, ask God to make you worthy of that man or woman of your dreams. If you want to be a good father, look at the example of a good, good father. The kind that you can go running to their arms like we sang earlier. No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. In the garden, even Adam had a moment and they sinned. And they realized that they were naked and they clothed themselves with leaves. And they blamed each other. He blamed her, she blamed the devil. And sin entered into the world. Where once they had a perfect relationship with God and in their nakedness, which they didn't know about, there was nothing hidden. And now, some 6,000 years later, here we are, fully clothed, but we're not naked before God. Because we won't realize, we won't, we won't accept the fact that Jesus is enough. We'll accept him We'll say, Jesus, I'm going to turn every part of my life over to you. I'm going to turn over, you know, my job, my money, my wife, my kids. And then. But there's always something that we're holding back. And we're holding it back because we're people. It's our sinful nature. It's the way of the world. And we are so bombarded today by the media, by, by what's in the movies, by what's on the Internet. And, and our kids are so—and I guess we are too— Subject to peer pressure and, and just there's so much mess coming at us all the time. And we sometimes forget what we should believe. We forget who we should believe. We forget who we are. We forget whose we are because we don't look at the final authority, which is this word of God, which searches us. And when we come into relationship with Jesus, when we submit to Jesus that first time, and he comes into our hearts and he starts showing us things. We get discipled. We start learning what it is to read this word. We start hearing his message from, from places like this and on, on the radio and, and from all over the place. And when we start doing that, we start growing and he starts convicting us. This, this two-edged sword looks at the thing that we've been doing all our lives and we thought, "Well, I didn't know that was wrong or I didn't know that that was not pleasing to God or that's not helping me to show somebody else the way to meet this Jesus that I've come to find out is, is enough. And so this two-edged sword, which is the Holy Spirit, will come into my heart and, and he'll say, he'll start working on me slowly and he'll say, you know, maybe you should rethink some of these things that you're doing, some of these places you're going, some of these things you've been saying, some of these activities that you've been a part of, some of these movies you've been watching, some of these things you've been repeating, and then sometimes I listen. And when I listen, I let go. Or maybe it's something like, okay, you've done this, very well done, but now don't you think you should do that? Because there's always one more thing that I can do for the kingdom of God. Because he didn't put me here to be idle, even though I'm in his rest. And by that rest, it means I'm relying on the power and the blood of Jesus to get me through each day and each moment. But it not, does not mean I sit back in my chair, which is a nice chair. Thank you very much. Archie Bunker has nothing on me in my chair. But I cannot. I can't just receive this Jesus who is enough and do nothing. I can't sit in the pew and be what, what I like to call the frozen chosen. I'm really blessed to be a part of this fellowship because in this group of, of believers we have so many people working to make this happen every week. It's You don't see it in other churches like this. You don't see the people that are entrances greeting one another. I hear it commented on that, that you guys just love on each other so much you won't even leave after church. Churches all over town are heading to the restaurant as soon as the final amen is done. But not this, not this group. Y'all are. What's happening this week? I mean, we're engaged with one another. We're engaged in the kingdom. It takes thirty to fifty people to pull off a service each week. We've got them. Some are doing more than one thing. You don't see that. And when you see that kind of participation, when you see that kind of obedience in the kingdom, that I want to do more for this Jesus who's enough. I want to do something for him. And if you're sitting there not wondering, why don't I have that joy? Why don't I have that? You know, what, what do they have that I do not have? Maybe get with one of these people that's doing something every week and do that. And if that's not your cup of tea, find somebody else and do that thing. There's a million things to do around here. There's a million things to do for the kingdom. You'll never be a part of until you say, hey, I want to be a part of. I've been alone in a room full of people before. I know what that feels like. Nobody should be alone in this room. Nobody should ever feel alone in this room. Everybody should get a handshake. Everybody should get a hug. Everybody should get a pat on the back. Everybody should get a big howdy doody. And I think that happens here. I've been to churches where that didn't happen. No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of to him whom we must give account. He sees us. God sees us no matter what. We're not hiding anything from him. And if we're not happy... In this Jesus who is enough, what are you doing for the kingdom? Normal's not coming back. Jesus is. Normal. It's not coming back. But Jesus is. And if we believe that, maybe we'll be the bride waiting for her groom. Maybe we'll start doing something else for the kingdom. Maybe in our prayer time, we'll do some little bit deeper digging, where we can say, "Jesus is enough." I challenge you to try it with one thing in your life this week. Not everything. If you haven't tried it with one thing, don't be coming back in here saying, "I that don't work." God never ever fails. If you don't know this Jesus who is enough, we're going to have a time of invitation here just real quick. I'm not going to use my whole allotted time. You should never give somebody that's ever gotten the bug a time on the clock. But it's also good because otherwise you just go on and on. I really, I really challenge you. If there's something in, in your life that you need to let go of, today's the day to do that. I'll share one more thing that happened Tuesday at Man Up. For any of you men of faith, uh, see me if you want to be involved in that. But uh, There was a young man that, that shared from his table after the, after the presentation. And this young man has a history. He has been in prison and he's now out and he's in a program to to become a productive man of God. And he shared that he was at some place, I can't remember where, but there was a young, a young person, uh teenager or preteen that was acting up breaking things and and being a general horrible nuisance. And he said, he said, I saw this kid breaking stuff, and, and I saw myself at that age. And I, he said, I went to him, and he said, he said, dude, little dude, he said, don't you have anybody you can talk to? I will listen to you. Don't we have, do you have somebody you can talk to? I will listen to you. There's somebody here that will listen to you. and There's somebody here that needs to talk. You look around. You can find them. We'll have some prayer people down here. I don't know who. Maybe some at the back. Say, I need somebody to talk to. Or I need somebody to listen to me. That's all there is to it. It's an exchange of information where you can pour out your heart until you learn how to pour it out to God. And then share what God is doing in your life. Years ago, they used to say, you know, in the church, God is always good. Or God is good. And then they said, Mark Hewitt, who spoke for us back in December, went to a small church. And he shared this little deal. And that's what I'm going to close with. He said, I said, God is always good. And so there's a little kid on the second row said, and the devil is always bad. Let's remember that God is always good and the devil is always bad. And the devil's the one that's got most of our bandwidth, so to speak. He's the one that's throwing things in our face all the time, every day. We've got to get into this word of God and let it search us. Let it change us. Let it transform us from the inside out. So I don't know where the praise team is, but I'm done. So I'm going to pray I'll stand down here outside of the bright light because I don't like it so much. Father, we just love you so much. Thank you for your teaching on prayer the other day. And I thank you for the opportunity we had to sit and bask in the presence of your Holy Spirit last week. And we thank you for this time today where we can see your plan unfolding both in your word and in this church and in our hearts and in our lives. And I pray right now for the person here that needs you the most. I pray that you'll just richly bless and, and reveal to them what they need from you, that they realize that Jesus is enough. And Father, right now I pray for the person that thinks that they need you the least. I just pray that your Holy Spirit will just pour into them, that they will seek your face and turn from their wicked ways, humble themselves, and know that you are God. Father, we just thank you for this fellowship of believers. We just thank you for each one of them. And we just ask that you bless the rest of this worship time and the rest of this day. In Jesus' holy name, amen.